that again. Good morning. It's good being here with you. Uh, I think I mean it. Uh, say it almost every time we're here, gather, gathered here. But it's so good to be together uh, worshiping. Um, so thanks for being here. I know we're in a sort of transitional period. Uh, we're waiting for some people to come back. We're uh, vaccination, and then. Uh, but just yeah, good to be here with you. Uh, so thank you for being here. Uh, we've been looking at the book of 1 Corinthians uh, this fall. So if you have your Bibles with you or your devices, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're going to read a chunk of, of scripture this morning, so it would be helpful if you have it open before you. Um, yeah, we're, we're uh, last Sunday we talked about uh, chapters 5 to 6 where Paul talks about sexual immorality. Uh, and here in chapter 7, he's going to address uh, marriage and singleness. Uh, it seems like, if you have your scripture there, it seems like he's addressing two broad topics. Uh, in verse 1, he says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote. And if you jump down to verse 25, he says, Now concerning the betrothed. So it seems like, so that's the outline of the, of the, of the chapter. He's talking to, he's addressing two, two sort of um, issues that the Corinthian church have asked. And so, uh, we'll look at the first section kind of broadly, high, high level, make some comments. We'll read portions of scripture there, and then we'll uh, kind of dive deeper into the second section, the second issue that he's going to address. Uh, so uh, let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the, the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, likewise the wife her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer. But then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. I'm going to pause there. Uh, one of the challenges that we had in this section of 1 Corinthians is that we're reading Paul's response to a letter that he received, which we don't have. And so we're kind of guessing exactly what he, what, what the letter, um, what they asked Paul. And so if you have, if you look at verse 1 there, it says, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And that's in quotes. And so it seems like Paul is addressing something that they wrote, about, something that the church wrote to him about. And that, that the matter that he's addressing is that phrase. In the quote where it says, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And so rest of the verses, the rest of the first half of the chapter, he's kind of addressing that in a different way. Um, Paul's point here is that if you're married, you should be one another with your body. Um, abstinence happens outside of marriage, but not within, within the context of marriage. He says, uh, if um, with within uh, the context of marriage, you should not practice abstinence unless there's mutual agreement or reason. Verse 8, so I'm just going to go down the verse. Verse 8, to the unmarried and the widow, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. 
But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So here, he's going to talk much more about um, the unmarried single. But here he says, yeah, if, if you're unmarried, um, it's good for you to stay unmarried. Unless you're not able to have self-control. Verse 10, to the married, I give this charge. Not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain un- remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. The husband should not divorce his wife. And so to the married, he says, stay married. Um, if you are both believers, stay married. Verse 12, to the rest, I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Likewise, their children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. But how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Here, he's addressing those with an unbelieving spouse. And he says, even in that context, stay married. Um, because a reason is you can be a blessing to your husband, your wife, your kids. And who knows, possibly God will use you and your walk with God to win your spouse to Jesus. And however, he says, if an unbelieving spouse decides to leave you, then you're not obligated to stay married. And here's the principle in verse, uh, verse 17. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him or called her. So that's the principle. So he's basically saying whether you are, and, and from verses 17 to 24, he talks about whether you're married or single. Some of you came to the Lord as a servant. Some of you are a Jew and you came to Christ. He says no matter where you are in life, he says you can stay there. It's good for you to stay. And here's what Paul is implying in the first half of the of chapter 7. He says he's, what he's implying is you can stay there. You can stay as a single, as a married person following Christ because Christ is sufficient. And he says Christ is enough. Again, whether you are a servant in Jesus Christ, whether you are married or single, you can remain and stay there because Christ is I think that's a good lesson for us today, isn't it? You know, whether you are, again, a married couple, a parent, a single, your work's difficult, um, you're going through health issues, whatever your situation might be, it's, it's easy for us to want to change our situation and circumstances. We want things to improve and, and get better, and which is, which is great. I mean, it's good. We should pray for that. But at the same time, Paul is saying, but you can also stay. You can also remain because Christ is sufficient, right? Christ is enough. So that's sort of the first half of chapter 7. And the second half, he goes on to address singleness. So I want to spend a little more time talking about that. Um, So here are two points. 
said in verse 8, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. And in verse 25, this is what he says. Now concerning the betrothed, so people who are at an age uh, to be married but still are single, he says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. So again, it's a little challenging to read Paul here because he's responding to a question that the church asked. Right? They, the church wrote to Paul. So Paul is responding to their, their question. But that, we don't have that letter. So we're, we're just kind of trying to read between lines and really trying to think about what Paul is saying here. But I think Paul, at the end of the day, he's saying, it's, if you're married, good. Stay married. But if you're single, good. Stay single. I think that's what he's saying. And this view of singleness was radical in the ancient culture because in the ancient culture, you didn't really see, you didn't really find individual status, you didn't have individual honor, you had family status and family honor. And so it's in this context Paul comes and Christianity says, no, it's okay to be single. It's, it's actually good to be single. Uh, church historians tell us that Caesar Augustus, he had declared that if you lost your husband and did not get remarried within two years, you got fired. There was no there was no security because you didn't have a family. Again, it's this kind of culture. Paul comes along where Christianity says that singleness was a trustworthy thing. And so it was a radical thing in ancient culture. And by the way, if you think about this, it's, I mean, it's pretty radical to for our culture too, right? I mean, if you think about it, um, our society, we live in a society where Did you see? 
see it if you haven't seen it. But at the end, this is what, what Jerry Maguire, Jeremy, says. He, um, he runs back to uh, his, his home uh, and he finds, I think it was Mary back then, but at some point, but he, he finds her and this is what he says. He says, tonight our little company that we started together had a big night. Very, very big night, but it wasn't complete because I couldn't share it with you. He says something like this. He says, you're gone. And then he said this towards the end of that clip or actually at the end of the marriage, end of the movie. He says, I love you. And then he says, you complete me. He said it much better. I don't think so. You complete me. I don't know. You complete me. Um, and then, you know, like think about it. I mean, he's so hurt. Wow, what a line. Like you complete that seems so right. Um, you complete me. And I think in some ways, this is what our society uh, has told us, that you need to find your significant other. You need to find that right person to have a life that is full or a life that has meaning. Um, but Paul says here something that's radically different, right? He says, look, it's okay to be Underneath our longing, there is really a longing for um, we long for something that's real, something that's true, something beautiful, something that's right. And all those things really come to die. Augustine said it this way, right? He said, our hearts will be restless until they find rest in That's what Paul is really getting to. And so whether it's our culture or Paul's culture back back then, um, singleness is Paul's view of singleness, right? This question that he says, "Look, it's it's radical. It's it's radical because it proclaims that you are complete." Now here, Paul gives the second point is Paul gives reasons for his singleness. Look at verse seventeen and seventeen. He says, "Yet those who marry will have worldly." And I will spare you that. And this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though had no, as they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing. Here's the first reason why he he says singleness is good. He says the world is passing away. This world is passing away. And so don't be too overly 
a pass or invested in this world. Um, you should be glad when you have success, but not too glad. Or you should be sad when you experience sadness, but not too sad because Paul is saying, because this world is passing away. So even in a marriage, you should be through time. And you should you should neither be too elated that you're getting married or too disappointed that you're not because our ultimate goal, our ultimate devotion is tied to our ultimate eternity. He says this world, everything that we know of this world will will fade. So don't be too invested in things of this world. The second reason that he said is he says uh, have an unending singles undivided devotion to the Lord. Look at verse 14 and 15. He says, I want you to be free from anxiety and be unworried and anxious about the things of this world, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. But the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraints upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul here says, hey, being devoted to, to the Lord, to Christ, it's, it's difficult whether you're married or not. But here I think he's saying that as a single person, you have a unique opportunity to be devoted to the Lord in a unique way. Um, two, I guess, examples. Uh, one uh, lady that I know, Jen Ashby, she's a, a minister at uh, our neighborhood church, and I think she's teaching uh, at our Orange Service online and, and on video. She's incredible. So I just really, I think, I, and I want to encourage you to watch her, her video uh, this week. It's really helpful. She's a single lady, um, and she shares about the story where during the pandemic, her heart went out to kids who were struggling uh, learning Kim Jong-un. So she volunteered to tutor kids in a language class. And she said she did that for, uh, I guess, for about a year or so, twice a week. And she goes on to say, but I know that I had the time to do that, but if I had a family and kids of my own and I needed to help them navigate the online learning, I mean, I could not have done that. And so she says, being single gave me a unique opportunity to uh, serve the Lord in this way. A second example that I, I, I thought about, uh, my oldest son is uh, in college, and he is part of the middle varsity fellowship. I don't know if you've ever come to the kind of worship and, and learn about God. Well, the person who's leading that fellowship, uh, he actually just went down and saw him and said, your son has Friday night, which is kind of a family night or family weekend, and you're going to see him, and we got to meet in this staff worker, and he came up and he uh, talked briefly, and he says he's 48 years old, and he's been doing college ministry for 20-some years. Um, I mean, he didn't expound on it, but he basically said sometime in his 30s, he just felt like God was saying that this is where God wanted him to be. And so he just settled down, and he has served the God Church for, again, for 20-some years as a single person. And again, he didn't say this explicitly, but I think he's, he's saying as a so much more freedom and time to serve God in this particular way. And I think that's what Paul is saying. 
being devoted to God is hard, whether you are a single person or a married person. It's hard to follow Christ. That's what Paul here is saying. One, one reason that I have this approach of singleness, of being single, is really because you can pray and the Lord may constantly move your heart. Those are the reasons that Paul says to get single and to pray. Because every single disciple prays. You don't have to be digitized. You don't have to be in the kingdom of glory. You, you don't have to invest so much to stay functional. You have a desire to pray. Now, let me uh, pause here in closing by looking at some technical Passions are strong, and it has to be. Let him do as he wishes. Let them remain. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart is under no necessity. But having this desire and this support, and is determined in his heart, the keeper asks to pray, and he will be granted. So then, he who marries is betrothed of one, and he who refrains from marrying is.
God did enter uh, into the ambience of Saul. He also says, he who became for me will be even greater. Even greater. Now, was he trying not to get better? So he was even better at the time that he could come in and get married, have a marriage, and then start dropping that stuff in his life. And we need that. We need those moments. So having an awesome moment is important. Not just for Baby widows, this is what it says, widows, widows, Christian women enjoyed substantial advantages. Pagan widows faced great spiritual pressure to remarry. Augustus even had widows fined if they failed to marry within two years. In contrast, among Christians, widowhood was highly respected, and remarriage, if anything, was mildly dishonored. The church stood ready to sustain Whether or not to remarry. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this.
church became their family. The church became their community. The church became their um, uh, economic support structure. And because of that, they were free to marry or not to marry. And so in some ways, As a local church, we become single brothers and sisters in a, in a real way. That's why we kind of talk, we talk a lot about marriage because it's really in those contexts that you find or anyone finds their support structure. The early church had that, and and our church, our church and churches now in our culture, and that's that's where people need to find their. For our singles and um, and married people, just let's. I think it's a good reminder that we our our ultimate um, completeness is from from Christ. That in Him you become complete. That in Him you truly find your completeness. And so it's it's so easy to forget that. Strive for something else, and we want to change our situations, and we want to change our circumstances because we feel like there's something lacking. But the New Testament and Paul here says, no matter what your situation is, whether you're single or married, or or you are a servant or a Jew, he says, no, Christ is enough. Christ is sufficient. You are complete in Him. So maybe that's the first thing that we can kind of pray about. Just that Christ is enough. Meditate on that. And the second thing that I want to pray uh, for us to pray is just together, remembering that we are God's family. We are the family of God. And, and that's why it's so important for us to like, treat one another with honor and respect and care and love because here uh, people need to find a genuine sense of community, fellowship, care. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up, and maybe they could just play um, give us music just for a minute or so. Let's pray for those two things, shall we? Um, let's just pray, again, going to Christ and remembering that we, yeah, we, are, we are complete in Him. And then let's pray for one another, pray for yeah, our church together that, that we really can become the body of God. to do that.
together for just a couple more minutes. Um, can we just pray for uh, Jim Mary? Why don't we just, let's take a minute to kiss our, you know, just quickly, uh, let's kiss our kids. Let's pray that 
around the other sermon and the other verse. I think both, as Paul talks about uh, pursuing Christ and not being too attached to things of this world, um, it's not so hard as perfect Christians and as mature Christians. So let's just let's take a moment to pray for our marriages. Uh, just make this just 30 seconds of taking this time to pray that Time afterwards, let's take our singles. Let's pray that that they would pursue Christ and find and find um, their fullness and singleness in Him. And as brothers and sisters, let's support us. Let's pray for our singles uh, in that way as well. So I'm just praying. Can we take another minute or so and just pray in that way? And I'll pray for us. Pray for us as we. difficult it is to have Christ-honoring marriages where we become more like Christ towards one another. 